Welcome to We Used to Be the Smart Kids, where we're taking deep dives into shallow topics. I'm Carolyn. I'm Eric. And today, we're going to do something a little crazy. Uh-oh. We're podcasting in the nude. <laughs> A year ago, I watched mm-hmm. a show called Made on Netflix, and before I say anything else, I want to say that this show is amazing. This is M-A-I-D, not M-A-D-E, correct? <laughs> yeah. That old yes. MTV show, we're not doing that. No. <laughs> yeah, M-A-I-D. It is about a... Oh, boy. What? Okay. It's is a... it about a maid? <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> So Maid is about a woman. She is very young. She's in her early 20s. And she leaves her emotionally abusive boyfriend. And so she has absolutely nothing. He's isolated her from her family and her friend group. She was financially dependent on him. And she has a young daughter. Her daughter, she's like maybe two or three. I don't know. Honestly, now that I have a kid, the most like iconic thing I can say is her daughter's in a front-facing car seat. (laughs) She's been turned around. She's front-facing car seat years old. (laughs) Uh, And she has to like remake her life. She's got to remade her life. So she gets a job as a maid and it's about her process of recovery from the Mm -hmm. emotional abuse. And it's about... Uh, how poverty reinforces itself in America and it's about how stressful poverty is and it's also about coming from a family that doesn't support you, a a family that has mental illness in it. It's genuinely a stunning show. Just to paint how great the show is, I want to give you like this one little tidbit before we move on. Okay. There's a point in the show where she sinks back into a depression. I think about this all the time. They show a montage of her going out with her daughter and singing We're Going on a Bear Hunt mm-hmm. over and over again. And the actress who plays her, whose name I can't remember, uh, it doesn't matter, does a beautiful job of like really showing how dead she is on the inside while singing this and like interacting with her daughter. Yes. Yes. I know that feeling exactly. So. And the way that it's shot, it's shot in like these, I want to call them like little snippets. Like you see like the daughter's feet in the splashing in a puddle and you see the sun coming through the trees and then you see maybe like a log in the forest and then like the thing resets and she sings, we're going on a bear hunt as they leave their trailer. And then you see like the daughter's feet splashing in a puddle and you see like the log maybe with the sun in a different place. And it just really mimics, I think, that feeling of like living life in Polaroids kind Mm -hmm. of. Because you're, you're really not interacting. I'm already impressed because not a lot of media deals with that feeling of repetitiveness and despair as you take care of a small child. It's perfect. It's perfect. And then, <laughs> and I saw this a year ago, I want to say it's intercut and I could be wrong. Um, it's intercut with scenes of her sitting on the couch in mm-hmm. the trailer. And then she lays down as we're going back and forth with this. We're going on a bear hunt. Mm-hmm. montage and then she's like dragged into the couch by this unseen force uh-huh. with just a completely blank resigned expression on her face she's not fighting she's not upset she's just being dragged into the couch she's living in the gray yes oh it just it does such a good job <laughs> of like showing that feeling mm-hmm. and the whole series just, anyway yeah. the point is it's stunning 
It's so good. <laughs> the point is, it's so incredibly good. They do this with so many things. So there are scenes in the first episode where when she leaves the boyfriend, they, they show on the screen how much cash she has in her wallet. It's like $18 or something. Mm-hmm. And then while she's like filling up the car, you watch the amount of cash she has go down. Yeah. And then when she has to like go, I don't know, buy cleaning supplies when she gets the maid job, you mm-hmm. watch the cash go down. And then she gets like a dollar left and her daughter had lost her favorite doll. It's a huge plot point in the in the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to a dollar store and rebuys the doll with like basically her last dollar. Wow. Okay. And like that's the end of the first episode. Yeah. It's just, it's so, so good. It's so, it's tied so firmly into like the rules of the way that our actual world works. Mm -hmm. Like it's not in any way a fantasy, especially like financially. Like it wants to like immerse you in the experience of emotional abuse and poverty and trying to like start from nothing so nickel and dime but with a narrative yes exactly nickel and dimed if you don't know was an investigative journalism book about how impossible it is to live on a waitress's salary in america and it is quite old at this point and it's even worse now like and how poverty perpetuates itself and it's hard to climb out so made is like stunning you should absolutely watch it if you haven't watched it Oh my god, it's so it's so good. So now we're going to talk about the shit. <laughs> so first two things I have to admit. One, I tried to rewatch Made for this podcast for as great as it is and I would really love to be able to rewatch it. It's honestly too stressful for me to be able to rewatch right now. Like I like I found it <laughs> triggering. Like I watched one episode in the morning while like my kid was sleeping on me and it really kind of affected the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. And like the first time I watched the show, it was also stressful. I watched it really quickly do you think this has to do with having your own kid now or is it something else i think it has to do with having my own kid i think before having my own kid i would have had more time and more emotional energy to devote to rewatching this Mm -hmm. and i would have loved the craft of it so much that i would have wanted to like really pull it apart and i i I absolutely would have signed up for a rewatch it would have still been (laughs) stressful but not in a way that like i found i couldn't quite shake See, I was asking if you identified more with the character as a mom now that you're a mom. Oh. If that stressed you out more because you're trying to put yourself in her shoes and you're trying to think with your kid, how would you deal with it? Uh, probably yes. So her kid is older than my kid, so that's mm-hmm. a difference. But I do remember, let's go, I want to go back to like when the daughter loses the, the doll. Mm-hmm. So she loses the doll because she is, I promise this answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> She loses the doll because she drops it out of the car window while they're driving down the highway. Then she just starts like screaming bloody murder. Mm -hmm. Like like, they do a really super close up shot of the girl and she opens her mouth and she just like ear piercing scream. And the mom pulls over into the medium, Mm -hmm. gets out of the car and runs back and starts to find the doll. And it brings up because before having a kid, I would have thought you idiot and i would have 100 percent blamed the mom like that's such a dumb thing to do just mm-hmm. deal with your daughter screaming like she has a hundred things that she's juggling right now because yeah. she's in the middle of like she's in the middle she's of everything blowing up like, her life yes right yeah why why are you stopping in such a stupid way to get a doll because your daughter's screaming now having a child and having felt the way that my body and my emotions and my hormones react when my kid screams mm-hmm and feeling how 
quickly it feels like I've been set on fire, yeah. especially in a stressful situation. Like the situation she's in is incredibly stressful and then her daughter starts screaming and she has no recourse. I can now understand why you would do that. Like, is it still dumb? It's absolutely dumb. But I can see how you would think, well, probably nothing is going to happen. Like probably it'll be okay. And yeah. like we have nothing and now she's lost the doll that I can't even really feasibly replace. You know what I mean? Yeah. So in that way, I, I do relate to her a lot more. The older my daughter gets and the further from it I get, because there are some parts that are like kind of meditations on motherhood, but it's mm -hmm. really not a big, it's not the biggest part of it. But yeah, I, I feel all of that too. So yeah. Did we get to the end? Did we get to the answer? Yes, we did. Okay. Motherhood fucks you up. It does. <laughs> it really, it really does. If you haven't felt that, this isn't going to make you feel it, but whatever. So I could not rewatch Made to do this podcast. As much as I would have loved to, mm -hmm. it was not on the table for me. I rewatched the first episode and we're going off like a memory of a show for over a year again. <laughs> but hey, if you've been listening, you know that I can't retain anything. I've got the memory of a goldfish. So if so, these things stuck in your head, these are things that are worth talking about because they've stayed in your head for over a year. Over a year. Like my kid was like, what, three months old, maybe four months old when the show came out. Mm -hmm. Like I was watching this at 10 o'clock between midnight feedings. So it blows my mind that this is still in my head. I'm going to go back to the Manic Pixie Dream Girl just because she deserves a nod. The Manic Pixie Dream Girl is a black woman who owns a beautiful house on an island. Like think Martha's Vineyard, but like the Northwest version of Martha's Vineyard. I don't know what the island is called. And she cleans her house. And this woman is like a complete bitch. Mm -hmm. She is awful. Like... <laughs> Our main character faints from hunger while cleaning this woman's house and she gets her a protein bar and then tells her she needs to clean the deck furniture. She's a raging bitch. Mm -hmm. It's really awesome. She does soften as the show goes on and you kind of figure out why she's a bitch and she kind of owns the fact that she's a bitch. But like, in the, it's good. It's good. She's mm -hmm. like a really, at first you love hating her and then you're like, she's going to save her. And then she, like, doesn't get to because the show really demonstrates that the maid has to save herself. herself. Yeah. She ends up with a white knight who I want to say, I'm just pointing out the show is really diverse. Mm -hmm. and, and they think that that comes into play a little bit later. He's Asian. I don't know. I didn't Google it. Middle Eastern. He's not white. That's really racist to say, isn't it? Her, her white knight offers like she he takes her in and she's living in his house with him briefly and he clearly is romantically interested in her and they seem to be vibing really well and he wants to like support her and you can interpret why she leaves in many ways but the really the only thing that we need to know right now is that she does leave like mm -hmm. she she has an offer where a guy is like i will take you in and take care of you and she's like and and your daughter i will love your daughter and yeah. my own and she's like no i'm not getting stuck in that situation again like i'm gonna do this for myself <laughs> yeah so she ends up in subsidized housing uh and she does eventually build her life like back up mm -hmm. and like a lot of times she like builds her life up and then she loses everything again so you have because to because like, it's so easy to lose something when you're that low on the ladder. Like when she's in her subsidized housing, there is mold in the apartment, and she has a daughter, mm -hmm. and like she can't afford mold remediation. It's like very believable, yeah, very down to earth, like tied. You know, like you you can see this stuff happening. Is the point? It does not feel like a soap opera. It mm -hmm. never ever defaults to like that kind of melodrama. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another one more character that I feel like deserves a mention because I'm actually still talking about good stuff. Surprise. <laughs> 
is her mom, who is played by the woman with the frizzy hair. <sighs> They're like a mother-daughter team. Miss Frizzle. Andy McDowell. Her mother is Andy McDowell. And the actress who's playing the main character is Andy McDowell's daughter, mm. which is just fun facts. Andy McDowell plays a mom who is just totally mentally ill. You don't know what she has, but like you can really see how she does a brilliant job, number one. Mm-hmm. And then number two, you can see how her mental illness gets in the way of her caring for and supporting her daughter. So like her daughter still loves her and they still like talk a lot and do things, but um, they can't really have a proper relationship. I found that really realistic and (laughs) great. Because it's the daughter taking care of the mother more often than not. Yes, the daughter taking care of the mother. The mother is fully erratic Mm -hmm. and she doesn't really listen to what the daughter is saying. So something as simple as like, she needs the mother to watch her daughter while she has a job interview. Yeah. She really can't rely on her mother to do that. And then her mom, when she can't get a hold of her, gives the daughter back to the abusive boyfriend. Oh. And then yells at the daughter for not answering her phone. Wow. Yeah. It's it's not great. Yeah. Is the mother financially secure? Yes and no. Okay. Uh... Let's say, for brevity's sake, the mother owned her house and believed that she was financially secure, but was shacking up with a gambling addict who had fleeced her, taken Mm -hmm. the house and all the money, and so she ends up with nothing. So for quite a few of the episodes, the daughter is dragging the mother around. Mm -hmm. So like when they live with the White Knight, she has her mother with her so he's taking care of the daughter and the mother and he lets the mother turn his garage into a painting studio because the mother thinks she's like a famous artist okay not yeah yeah so he's like a really good guy but also maybe not (laughs) it's it's hard it's hard to tell it's hard to trust men after the original one so you're always looking at him a bit askew and then super fun fact Mm -hmm. i think the guy that plays the abusive boyfriend is the lead from love simon Oh. So he just, I can't remember his name either. Come on, world. But he always plays like these jolly good boys, the, you know, bread of life, white bread boys that mm-hmm. you just like always trust. And yeah. so watching him play this abuse, it's so good because he's basically emotionally abusing you <laughs> while you're watching the show. Yeah. Because you're like, no, I really want to trust him. They're like, maybe this time it'll be better. <laughs> they do such a good job of having you They make him not look that. like a villain right. when you're prepared by Hollywood that every villain looks a certain way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, that exactly. Like, yes, it's just, sorry. I, I, I'm just really excited about it because it's a show <laughs> that like, it just, it really gets into the nitty gritty of like how this stuff feels like it's not used as a plot point it's not glossed over it doesn't feel voyeuristic to watch it Mm -hmm. you know where you're like looking in on something like you're really experiencing it Mm -hmm. and i guess if i'm gonna get on my high horse it's like you're really experiencing stuff that most women have encountered in some way or or things that are considered stereotypically feminine Mm -hmm. and they're treating them with a lot of respect and they're pulling them off with just like such good craft it's so good (laughs) and i didn't see a lot of people talking about this and it's like it's so good yeah i'm kind of worried it just got written off because it's about a single mom you know Mm -hmm. so i want to get into how she gets out of poverty a little bit Mm -hmm. because this is the thing that i really want to talk about that like Beyond everything that's amazing about this, the thing that lodged in my head, kind of like a grain of sand, like, really? Really? 
So, guess how she gets out of poverty? How does she get out of poverty? Stripping? Nope. A lottery ticket? Nope. Selling her child to cannibals? Mmm, getting colder. (laughs) Tell me at this point, those are my three best guesses. Okay, she gets out of poverty by... She goes to get a degree in creative writing. Oh. That's the big ending. That's the thing she works really hard to do. And she fights really hard for. She's got a scholarship to go to creative writing school Mm -hmm. before she gets knocked up by the abusive boyfriend. And then they decide to just romantically stay together. And she like puts off going away for a year. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she never goes. So there's like this great scene as the show is coming to a close where she's like getting all of her shit together. And she's feeling like really self-actualized and awesome. And she's like making all these phone calls to like figure out how to get her scholarship back. And like, what can she do? And like, she has this beautiful image of herself like climbing the mountain where her school is that has like the initials with her daughter and then like you get to see it happen in the final scenes and you feel so great because like she like visualized her future or whatever and like made it happen woo amazing manifest (laughs) destiny great stuff manifest destiny is not great stuff but you know what i mean like it's like this mm, yeah feels so good she read the secret and she pulled it off yeah and like if it was for anything else but creative writing, I think I would have been on board. <laughs> but it was for creative writing. I mean, she does lead a workshop when she's in like a domestic violence shelter and mm-hmm. she helps women write. Yeah. And I really did like that because I thought it showed first the writing pieces that they read were good. Well, that's not workshop at all. <laughs> that's true. And secondly, it it really did show how writing can help people. And like, this is not a story about a writer. It's not a story about how writing saves people. Mm-hmm. This is just a thing that she does. But it does that like art's going to save you yeah. better than any art's going to save you film does. Mm-hmm. It, it like makes that connection really well. But that's really not what it's about. Right. Like those scenes are really about her finding her... They're they're about her healing from the emotional abuse and yes. finding her voice and finding out how she can fit in a community and be. So this is the most unrealistic part of the movie or part of the CV series. What is the creative writing is the be all end all on how she gets out. I just on how she gets out. I yeah. I think like the stuff in the workshop and leading it with the other women. The fact that they're all good writers that's super unrealistic. Yeah. but I'm okay with that. Like I don't need to see bad writers on screen. But like the fact that this is treated as the thing that's going to save her. Yeah. When is, everything else rang so true. Yeah. it com- Just just the idea that in these <laughs> glorious United States of America, you can get a creative writing degree and be lifted from poverty. Like you're, you're now on the hole for what, 80 grand? You have no marketable skills? You're not bitter at all. Okay. No, not at all. Ready for the next plot twist? I am. It's based on a true story. She did write a best-selling book, and that <laughs> is what the television show is based on, and that is how she got out of poverty. Okay. She went to creative writing school, and one of the pieces that she wrote was about all of the houses that she cleaned while she was a maid, and she published it in, I don't remember, The Atlantic or something, and agents reached out to her and said, so you're writing a book, right? And she was like, well, now I am. <laughs> And she didn't, she actually didn't want to write about her experiences being a maid. She wasn't that interested in it, Mm -hmm. but she needed to make money. Yeah. And that's what she was focused on. And so that's what she did. Interesting. 
does it change your opinion of it? Like I have been going back and forth on this for <laughs> so long because on the one hand, I really feel like we have a problem when we show poverty in this country because the people who are shown and I haven't shown, I haven't seen every movie about poverty. Like I haven't seen the Florida Project. And as I demonstrated about how stressed I am, apparently I'm not going to anytime soon, despite my curiosity. But I feel like the people who are allowed to be lifted out of poverty have to demonstrate some kind of exceptionalism. They have to be yes. great at something. They can't just be lifted out of poverty because nobody should have to live like that. Right. That's their lottery ticket. That's their one in a million shot being born with that talent, being born that exceptional. But on the flip side, this story got so much traction because of that, mm -hmm. you know? Without the exceptionalism and without the lottery ticket, no one really would have cared. Yeah, they'd still be poor and looked down upon and ignored. Speaking of that, the other thing that we should definitely touch on is mm -hmm. the fact that she's white. Yeah, that, that gives her a little leg up there. That's why we talked about the diversity earlier. Uh-huh. Because to this author's credit, her name is Stephanie Land. Was the main character named Stephanie? No, I really don't think she was, <laughs> which is why I was like really struggling there because I didn't want to say Stephanie. So to her credit, I have watched a couple interviews with her and she is super clear on the fact that she was privileged. Mm -hmm. She said that she came from, she didn't come from poverty. She came from like a middle class uh, background. Thank you. Yeah. She came from a middle class background and she makes it a point to say the way that you fall into poverty, like it happens so fast. Mm -hmm. She really does make it a point to say that her whiteness was a privilege and that most women of color are trapped in poverty and they don't have what she had and like probably if she wasn't white the book probably wouldn't have had as much traction as it had mm -hmm. like the fact that she came from a middle class background fell into poverty and had the cinderella story is what made her marketable and it is what got her out of it and that middle class background gave her the background to get into that college and get that degree and get that writing stuff exactly so this is not so she knew it was possible because she came from there right yes and this is not my idea i read i was looking for anybody who had opinions on made online and i found a post if i can find it i will link it because this i didn't come i didn't realize this but that phone call scene that i referenced earlier where she's like on the phone with the people at the school and she's like where's my scholarship what do i do at one point she like asks the question okay who do i need to talk to Mm -hmm. And she like kind of puts the onus on them. Someone pointed out that that's like a very white woman thing to do <laughs> in order to get back to that feeling of kind of like self empowerment that she does. That's like celebrating that she's like recovering from the emotional abuse. You have to feel like you have that kind of power in the world. Yeah. And not like you're entitled to that information. Yeah. And not everybody has that feeling. And a lot of people, even if they act that way, are not going to be received that way. Like, mm -hmm. they're not going to be rewarded for doing that. They're she has be. a certain level of Karenness she can go up to before she's written off. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> and we... <laughs> yeah, We're but back yes. to Karenism and sexism, yes. Yeah. Does that besmirch the quality of the show is kind of what I'm thinking about. Like, if she doesn't have the exceptionalism, if she doesn't get have the writing thing and she doesn't fulfill the writing dream. And I don't think she even writes the book in the show. I think the show ends with her just going to school. Getting, yeah. But like if she doesn't have that art piece, you know, where, where we can like feel like she's really mm -hmm. cool. I yeah. want to say she has like the depth. 
then she's trapped in poverty and like that's not a show people want to watch like i'm having trouble rewatching the show and i know it has a happy ending right like if it ends negatively i'm just gonna like wipe it from my mind i'm never gonna think about it again mm-hmm. it's it misery means- porn right I, so i i don't think that this would work without that happy ending i don't think it would work if she wasn't a writer and you got to watch her journaling i don't think it would work if she was a business major maybe eh, i mean the pursuit like- of happiness I'm just drawing parallels here. I'm not saying that one proves the other. Yeah, but I want you to answer my question. (laughs) Does this take away from the show that like this is the answer? The answer is you've got to be great at an art. I mean, absolutely. Yes. Okay. (laughs) I want more. I want you to like tell me what it should have been. Like, if the answer is not you have to write the one in a million book, what what should it have been? What should she have done? I don't know. That's, like, that's the thing. 99 times out of 100, you're just stuck in that poverty loop and finding this. But that story isn't going to raise any awareness about the poverty loop. So, like, how do you tell the story about the poverty loop? That's what I really want to know. Yeah. Like, this show brings so much awareness, in my opinion, in a mm-hmm. really good way to like the effects of emotional abuse and the cycle of poverty and other things that I can't even come up with. But, but like, it's also not coming across as poverty tourism is what you're telling me. It's done, well done enough that it's putting you in it rather than having giving you a tour guide of... 100%. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't feel like, oh, I pity her. I felt like, oh, I'm at risk of I could have been her. Mm-hmm. Like that's terrifying. Yes. Yeah. But if she hadn't been a writer, if she didn't get out of it in that way, I just that I know I know I'm beating a dead horse, but mm-hmm. like I feel like it was a letdown. But I also don't have any better answers. And right? There's I, no other way for it to be a story other than that, other than just letting it be miserable at the end. And also because the story has to like release you from the misery at the mm-hmm. end, I wonder if it lessens its own impact. Like, oh, all people who are trapped in poverty will find the magical skill that gets them out of it. You know? Right. I don't know. Or if it does end in a different way with her just grinding to get out of poverty, it's saying, if you don't try hard enough, obviously you're going to stay poor. Yeah. And I don't think you want to watch that. I mean, there are enough Hallmark movies about bootstrapping yourself out of poverty that are completely unrealistic, which is why they're Hallmark movies. But this... I feel like this is showing there are no bootstraps. There's just hoping and praying for a way out, basically. It feels like, like you describing it, feels like an unrealistic happy ending. I mean, because she's going to get a writing degree. Like, you're not going to, mm-hmm. you're, and you have a daughter. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I say that, and yet it really did happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really weird position to, to be in. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to come to an answer, but that is like a thing that I have spent way too much time thinking about. <laughs> let's be real. Yeah. And to the writer's credit, she spends a ton of time talking about how she has a Cinderella story because of all of the privileges that she had. Mm-hmm. And most people don't have that Cinderella story. So. And I feel like this might be off topic, but I feel like on Twitter... I see a bunch of people complaining to writers that it's completely unrealistic that something happened in their story. And their turnaround is, well, it happened to me. That doesn't mean it's realistic. It's just this weird outlier that you experienced that does not come across well in fiction because it's that outlier. It's that one in a million shot that no one else is going to experience. And it feels like a plot device, even if it happened in real life. I think having the ending 
feel like a plot device despite the truth is what makes it ring false. I agree with everything that you said, but I do want to defend it a little bit because in the show, she doesn't write a best-selling novel. Mm -hmm. In the show, she just gets to college and she's majoring in writing. But it's read as a happy ending. It's not like, oh, will she get out of this? No, it's an ending. It's her getting out. Anyway, Maid's amazing and everybody should watch it because it (laughs) deserves to be talked about. It is frankly stunning. It is so, so, so good. And I would love to know if other people also felt like the ending was a cop out or the ending didn't ring true. Like, is it just because I maybe have an axe to grind? Maybe. (laughs) Could be. The girl with the MFA. Yes. Uh, uh. (laughs) Outed you. So this has been We Used to Be the Smart Kids. I'm Eric. I'm Carolyn. And now you're smarter. (laughs) Or at least you have like an actual recommendation. Ta-da! We did it. We did it. Thanks for listening. Our intro music is from Tim Beak. You can find him at timbeak.com. And our outro music is by One Man Symphony. And you can find them at onemansymphony.com.